0: If your kids use screens, and I'm pretty sure that's most of us, this episode is a must. Today, we have Arlene Pellicane, author of Screen Kids, on to talk about how screen time affects the brain of a growing child, how screens influence our relationships and your child's educational and emotional development. She shares lots of tips and tricks to find balance when navigating screen time, and how you can create a technology plan that will protect your children from negative influences while strengthening your relationships. (laughs) Hey mama, welcome to the Nourished Mom Podcast, where you're going to learn how to find balance between homeschooling, housework, and all the other things. God is calling your family to a life of peace and goodness, even on those days when you're trying to remember why you chose to homeschool, you just want a minute to yourself, and you're overwhelmed with a million things to do. If you're ready for simple routines, time management strategies, and biblical mindsets to transform your days from on balance to intentional, then you are in the right place. So set those kiddos up with some Legos, some independent work, or whatever is going to keep them engaged for the next 15 minutes while we dig into today's show. Arlene! we are so excited to have you today. So our guest today is, I want to pr- make sure I'm pronouncing this right, Arlene Pelicane, right?
1: You got it. I always Perfect. tell people it rhymes with candy cane, so it kind of helps. <laughs> Ooh,
0: that's a good way to remember it. <laughs> and Christmas is coming up, so candy canes are-, are it all It Christmas.
1: all works together, yeah. Right.
0: So um, Arlene is the host of the Happy Home podcast, And she's author of several books, including the one that we're going to talk about today, Screen Kids. And Arlene has been featured on the Today Show, on Fox and Friends, the Wall Street Journal, and one of my favorites, Focus on the Family. So I think we have like a little, maybe, would you consider yourself like almost a celebrity?
1: No, (laughs) but thank (laughs) you. That's sweet. (laughs) I like that though. Mommy is almost a celebrity. I like that.
0: (laughs) But those are some cool things to be featured on. That's really awesome to get your message out there on those, on those outlets.
1: I'm super grateful. Yes, absolutely.
0: Very cool. And she lives in San Diego where I've never been, but we were just chatting and she told me it's 64. Um, Is it 64 like year round?
1: (laughs) Not year round, but it it does feel like it. Yes. It's kind of in that, that range.
0: (laughs) Nice. And she lives with her husband, James and her three children. And Arlene, can you tell us a little bit about the book Screen Kids? Tell us, like, the, the synopsis.
1: Of course. We need to know, you know, obviously technology is here to stay, so it's not going away. And for parents, especially if you have younger kids, it's so important to understand and not just adapt what everybody else is doing. So Screen Kids goes through what is actually happening in the brain. How does screen time affect the brain of a growing child? And then, you know, we want our children to grow up to have skills, you know, to be able to grow up to be adults. So Screen Kids outlines five really essential A-plus skills that every child needs and how Technology kind of fights against that, and what we can do as parents. And then in the last section, if you, as you're reading and you're thinking like, "Man, we we have we need to start again," you know, then there are, are ideas to restart your home.
0: Awesome, that's so good. Yeah, I definitely want to get into some of those juicy ideas because I think that we we definitely will need some of those. Yeah. Now you speak about how. Screen time threatens the emotional and educational development of our kids. And like you were saying, you know, I feel like it's so easy to just get swept up into the idea that this is just normal and this is just part of life. And we kind of like sweep it under the rug. But can you talk to us about like what really is happening emotionally and educationally? What's as far as the development of our children? How are screens impacting that?
1: And really you look at, you know, you can look anecdotally at a school and say like, wow, talk to a teacher and ask them what is teaching today? You know, kindergarten, third grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, 12th grade versus 20 years ago. And they'll be like, oh my word, do I have stories for you? You know, so it's, they can't pay attention they're not reading, they're too distracted. They've gotta have like music pumping or looking at videos or now like a, like a movie is too slow because TikTok has showed us that everything happens really quick. So the attention span is very different. The ability to read is very different. So it's super important that in your home that you say, wait a minute, I need a strong reader. So that they are able to what, you know, succeed in school, but not only that, but they're able, you know, reading is obviously such an important skill, whether you're learning a new career, whether you're learning how to be a better parent, a a better, you know, spouse you want to have a deeper spiritual life, whatever it is like that reading is key, like it's super important. So you can see that these basic skills are really eroding. And then just think of the people skills, you know, that the child Mm -hmm. of yesteryear used to be able to say, please, and thank you. They used to have common courtesy. They used to be able to shake your hand, look at you as an adult. And that was no problem. Mm -hmm. You know, today kids are really having a hard time doing that. And then what that means is, and it's super basic. So if we are missing it on these very basic skills, right? Like my child cannot look up and say, hello, How are you like? I mean, this is not like super, super difficult. So we have to bring that back and say, why is it that a child who can have a conversation, who does, uh, you know, show courtesy, who does show empathy to others? Why is that child so special? So, you know, they really shouldn't be like the majority of children should be this way. And a lot of it is because childhood, as it was enjoyed before, has been replaced by uh, instead of laughing and joking and playing and running and being with other kids. Kids are isolated and with their with their device and very little is expected of them when they're on a device. They basically have to watch, be entertained, press a button. It's very little expectation. So our kids Mm -hmm. are growing up severely malnourished with people skills, with brain skills, all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, I I mean I can definitely see it. I can you can see it in our culture. I mean it's yeah. so obvious, and like it's I can see it in my own kids, and I feel like we don't even we're not on screens all the time. Yeah, but even the amount that we're on, I I feel that it's having an impact. And I wonder what's going on, like what is happening in the brain to cause these differences.
1: Yeah. So your child has a prefrontal cortex as all of us do, and that's developing and it's going to develop. It used to develop all the way to age 25. Now they're saying till age 30, because we're so behind. Oh, wow. But, you know, it's very complicated, but, but let me say it this way. And, and I say complicated as in, you know, I'm not a brain scientist. It's complicated to me, but here's how to understand it. The prefrontal cortex is like an executive uh, assistant in the brain and it handles it regulates mood it helps you with emotion it helps you to dream it helps you to do scenarios like oh if I do you know if I set this on fire what might happen in my life okay so the prefrontal <laughs> cortex that's responsible for that all that executive decision you know being able to have self-control realizing okay I've already been sitting here for six hours I probably should get up and use the bathroom mm-hmm. that is the executive um you know the prefrontal cortex what's Happening is when kids, for instance, are playing video games or they're doing something pleasurable online. Let's say they're playing a video game and they're running and they're, they've got to shoot something and they've got to get to the next level and they're just about to die. So their body is telling them, like, oh my goodness, like the stress hormone is up. We've got to keep this kid alive. We, you know, all the blood is rushing to the major organs, to the heart, to the lungs to keep this kid alive. And it comes out of the brain, comes out of the prefrontal cortex. And obviously, if that happens once in a while, like running from a bear and you need that to happen. That's great. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is kids are riding this all the time. They are constantly playing. They're constantly doing something. They're constantly looking for that next pleasure seeking dopamine hit. And when they're doing that, their body is saying, okay, we've got to protect this kid. And as a result, you have a very weak prefrontal cortex, because there's been very little, it's like a muscle. It's like, it. wow, we haven't touched this thing for 10 years. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's weak. And so when you wonder, then you have a teenager who can't seem to realize that if you don't go to school and if you don't even try, like, this isn't going to be good for your life. Like the prefrontal cortex is like, very underdeveloped and can't see that, doesn't reason Mm -hmm. that, doesn't think that through. And so on a very real level, and obviously that's just one of many things, there are circadian rhythms, there are rhythms that your body needs of sleep. That's a huge hit because when kids are on screens, their rhythms are off and then they're not sleeping as well, or they're waking up in the middle of the night because they want a game or they want to return that text, or they're wondering what happened on Instagram while they were asleep or whatever it is. So those sleep patterns, and once you get that sleep pattern disrupted, you know, guess what? Your appetite's like all weird, your mood's all weird, you're falling asleep in class and it just perpetuates itself. So there are so many, many things and they've even seen now they've done a study of 10,000 kids and they've looked and they already see a a premature thinning of the cortex. And this is something that happens when you get old, like when you're 70, 80, 90, and the cortex is the five senses. So, you know, you get older and you don't smell as good and you don't hear as good and all those things. They've found that already in kids who are on screens too much that they see that premature thinning of the cortex. So there are some very serious things. And I think in a relational way, what you've got to also think is what is your child attaching to, you know, and it's super important, you know, from birth to age 10, especially that your child, like you, the age of your kids that when they have a problem, they come to you that Mm -hmm. they're like, mom, I need some help instead of they're attaching to the device because the device is going to soothe them. That's a huge problem that now anytime the brain senses, oh, I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm confused. I'm distressed. My answer is, Oh, I'll go to my screen. Like I'm happy, let me watch a funny video. I'm sad, let me watch some depressing video. You know, they they go to the screen. They're attached to their screen instead of attached to a loving human being, and that's why you see a lot. That's one of the reasons you see a lot of the mental health problems that we do today. So all these things, you know, when your kids are young, in particular, these are things that can be pretty easily avoided uh, by limiting yeah. screen time. But it is a road less taken. And then if your kids are older and you're listening, you've got teenagers, you've got older kids who are really already really. In in the weeds, that this can be something that you can start to reclaim. It's never too late as long as your child is under your roof to make some positive changes.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that is, I can see that, like, especially with my younger one, when he gets upset about something, a lot of times he'll automatically either ask for screens or for a treat,
1: Right. you know? Yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. Well, we have to learn how to cope with our emotions, you know, in the real world, you yeah. know, and I don't want you... To turn, have to turn to those things, you know, but you can see that happening. Yes. So, what would you say? What are some signs that our child might have too much screen time?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You can also go to my website, happyhomeuniversity.com, and there's a quiz you can take. Does my child have too much screen time? And that's also in the book, Screen Kids. But a couple things, you know, think of a, a scale of casual at risk addicted. So a casual player will just, you know, play on the weekends, play for half an hour, be like, okay, that was great. And then go out and play soccer, go talk to their friends and it's over, it's done. And they never talk about it. So this casual. So if that's, what's happening with your child and screens, you know, whether it's YouTube or whether it's social media or whether, you know, it's video games and they can just do it for half an hour on a Saturday and then never think about it until the next Saturday. And in fact, if they miss the next Saturday, it's not even a big deal has no ripple effect on their life. Mm -hmm. Then you know, okay, I just have a casual user and this kid is okay. Like green light. We're good. Your next is your at risk kid. And so, you know, think yellow light. And this is, you know, the kid that knows they're supposed to play only over the weekend. But on Monday, you know, oh, I finished my homework. Can I play on Wednesday? You know, mom, like everybody else gets to play. Why don't I get to play on Friday? Oh, I can't wait till it's tomorrow because then finally I get to play. (laughs) So then you realize, okay, Mm -hmm. this kid's like at risk that this would like mean a lot to this kid. I should really watch this. And then your last one, of course, the red light is addicted, where you know, my goodness, we can't even go away for the weekend, you know, on a camping trip because our kid will freak out because they can't play their video game, or I can't get my kid to finish their homework because they're playing, or I can't get my kid to go to dinner on time because they're playing, or they won't help me with chores because they're playing or whatever it is. And then, you know, this is a problem. You know, Dr. Andrew Huberman out of Stanford, um, he talks about addiction being the progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure, the progressive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure. So in other words, like that, the only thing that makes your child happy, right, is sitting down with a tablet or sitting down playing yeah. that game or sitting down going through those videos. And if they are not doing that, then they're like freaking out, right? So then you mm-hmm. realize, wow, this is an addiction for you that it's something that's gonna cause you pain in the long run because you're gonna miss out on a lot of other stuff if you're just, yeah. just playing your video games. So I really like that that definition of this progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure because as a parent, you want your kid as they grow up to have a widening of what brings them pleasure. Like now I like more kinds of food and I like more activities and I like different genres of music and different genres of movies. And you know, mm-hmm. you want them, you want it to get wider that they're discovering with their eyes wide open. Like there are a lot of things I like, like I like tennis and I like hockey and I like sewing and I like horses and I like dog trading. Like you want them and addiction robs them of all that growth. And it says, you know, this is the only thing that you like.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I think, I mean, you probably know more about this than I do, but like certain kids are probably prone to addiction more than others, just from like genetics and stuff like that. Do you think? And that's you true? can
1: you can see it from your own children, right? Your kids gravitate to different things. They might yeah. be introverted. They might be extroverted. One might really just cannot put down Netflix. Another one might not be able to put down a particular game. You know, so yes, your children are going to be individual, and you can watch them. And so maybe your older child. Can't. Have something that your younger child can handle. So Mm, don't do it by age. Don't do it by age that oh you're older so you get social media and a smartphone. It's like no, like you know. So so think of it that way. And then also realize that no matter how disciplined your child is, no matter how quiet they may seem, no matter how much they love nature, anyone you know this device is programmed by uh, what Tristan Harris from uh, the movie Social Dilemma and he used to work for Google. He talks about a thousand people on the other side of that phone programming it to be as addictive as possible. So these things Mm -hmm. are not accidents. These are things done on purpose of why the game is so sticky, why social media is so sticky, all that that's programmed. So you can have like the most pure child who can be like, okay, I cannot put down my phone and I have no idea why. So you have to realize that. And and really, as a parent, uh, you know, for us, we didn't give our kids smartphones until they were finished with high school. And we live in San Diego; we go to public school, so it's it's not like so. If you know, you can't tell me that. Like, oh well, you were homeschooling in the mountains of Tennessee, and you could right. do that. No, like no, it wasn't anyone, easy. Any anyone can do this, but to realize that that's something that you can do, uh, and the reason we did that so many benefits, but you know, you, you have your kids able to have real relationships, not just Mm -hmm. online relationships. You have more time. You know, they, the kids knew from the time they were little, like, oh, my mom wrote this book, screen kids, and we're not going to get phones. Like they kind of knew that all along, <laughs> but now that they're older, you know, junior in high school, I've got a freshman in college. And then the eighth grader, they would even, if you ask them, like, if you were able to have, if you were able to get on social media, would you, and you know, my junior who used to want to be on has said, now, you know, I would say no, because I know I'd spend too much time on it. And I, I already have such little time to do the things I want to do. So yes. They, kids can start realizing this, that this takes away a lot of time that I could be doing things that are really pleasurable to me that I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, that's so amazing because so many adults can't or don't have the willpower to recognize that, yes. you know, or just, I mean, the yeah. addiction, just the addiction, I guess. I mean, adults are addicted too.
1: Absolutely. And I love to tell people, you know, your child, they're going to be on a phone like their entire adult life. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have this. So give them a childhood without the phone so they can experience that. And, you know, to your point, they interviewed, you know, like, 6,000 kids from all around the globe and asked them what their parents worst habit was. And like 50% of them said my parent looking, you know, at the phone too much. And 34% Mm -hmm. said my parent looking at the phone while we are talking in the middle of a conversation and the unhappiest kids were in Brazil, like 80% of those kids said that. So it's, it's all around the world.
0: Oh my gosh. And I've, I've read the book and some of these things like really spoke to me and I don't, like, I don't feel like I'm on my phone all the time, but I notice yeah. sometimes I'm like gravitating and we're like playing right. print, and I'm like, no, no, like stay yes. at least in the phone.
1: Exactly. Like, don't look at the phone. Right. It's like, realize it kind of like watch yourself and yeah. you're telling yourself, Brandy, don't do it. Don't pick it up. Put it, right. up on the, put it up high on the shelf. like, And, you know, and places to guard that is like mealtime bedtime, waking time, like those first and last moments with your children to be screen free to get, you know, get a book again and do all those things. Once again, those are good rhythms and make them like habits so that you're not feeling always like, Oh, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting, it, I'm fighting it, Mm -hmm. but change your environment that it doesn't like I put it away. I put it in a drawer after dinner or something like that. Like for one hour, it goes in a drawer or something. Yes. And do you can shift your environment to help you because it is so tempting when it's visually right next to you all the time. Right.
0: I love that you said, make it a habit, because that's like what I mostly talk about um, at my show is habits yeah. and routines. And it just like you were saying, it makes it so much easier if we can create that habit like an hour before bedtime, like we yeah. have screens or whatever the habit is that you need to create, but it's just going to make it easier to stick with it. Absolutely. So you mentioned something, this, um, you mentioned digital veg vegetables, versus- yeah digital candy, which I loved. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. Just like there's, you know, we understand this in the real world with food, you know, your kids aren't being like, Oh, please, I just need more cauliflower. I need more carrots. You know, if I could (laughs) only have more broccoli, you know, no one is asking for that. Obviously they're going to ask for candy, candy, candy all day long, Mm -hmm. especially through this holiday season. Right. So a lot of candy. So we get that. And we understand that a little bit of candy is okay, but that a child who is eating candy at breakfast, lunch and dinner, and then after dinner, that's that child is going to grow up to be very sick. Like that might work for a few years, but then you're going to have lots of ramifications of that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way in the digital world that there are digital vegetables. And this is why we as adults are like, okay, let's get the iPad. Let's get the phone because could your child learn math? Uh, Yes, they could. Could they learn a different language? Sure. They could. Could your older child learn how to change the oil in the car? Yes, they could. So there's these vegetables that are actually helpful. They could Skype grandma. They could FaceTime family members like this is amazing. Like, that's awesome. They could tour a museum in France, like, you know, they could do all these things, but of course, If you say to your child today, oh, show mommy what you're doing. You know, no one's no one's touring the museum in France. Like that's not what it's used for. So the vegetables, yeah, yeah, exactly do it. So the vegetables are things that that your kids are never getting in trouble over. You're never finding them at three o'clock in the morning, you know, doing their Mm -hmm. calculus in their room. So that's a vegetable. And of course the candy, that's all the fun stuff. And some of the candy is just sweet. It's just like this little cute cat video and it's not a problem. But of course you can go all the way down the spectrum of being like, okay, this candy could be like something really with this body image that is really unattainable that your kid thinks that they have to have, or maybe it's, you know, way over sexualized for a child. You know, there's a lot of dangerous candy out there. Yes. So on the other hand, there's all this dangerous stuff. So even as your kid is young, you can start talking in this language, like, okay, we're going to watch this cartoon. This is digital candy. You can have half an hour of it, but then after that it's over. Cause we just have a little bit of candy every day. You know, So this gave me this conversation. I was just re- talking to a grandparent was saying it was so cute because their kid wanted to do a little drawing app on the iPad. And the grandchild asked, "Um, is this digital vegetable or digital candy? Because they've been familiar with my book. Mm -hmm. So it was so cute that even a kid, young child, just a few years old can start understanding like, okay, some of this is vegetables that it's going to help build me up and make me healthier, but some of it is candy and it's just kind of wasting my time and just kind of something fun. And it's okay for me to have a little of that, but I don't want that all the time. And guess what? I mean, for us, it works too. Like when we're on the computer Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to be doing our work, which is our vegetables, but what do we do? We venture out, we look at things, we have a little candy and it's the same conversation we have to have with ourselves is, okay, wait, I've had enough of that today and I really need to just stick with what I need to do. So it's something that translates, I think, to any age and it it really will help your child be healthier if they can start identifying, is this candy or is this vegetables?
0: Yes. I, I totally love that because I have a background in nutrition yeah. and so we're absolutely. always talking about that kind of stuff at the house. Yeah. So, I so think it fits it so well. well. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So you talk about the A plus social skills. So can you tell us a little bit about those?
1: Yeah. So you know how we're always, as parents, we're like, oh, you got to get good grades. Good grades are going to give you success in life. And yes, good grades are helpful. But if your child has these A plus skills, they'll be way more successful. Just, just think. So if your kids grow up to be affectionate, they know how to give and receive love. They're appreciative. They're people who go through life with gratitude. Like, thank you. Like, this is a beautiful Mm -hmm. day instead of like, oh, I needed that yesterday. And like, I want the, you know, shiniest new phone tomorrow, you know, tomorrow, you know, whatever anger management, they are angry, but they know how to manage their anger. Well, and they know they can tell the difference if there is real justified anger or if they're just throwing a fit because they didn't get what they wanted. So anger management, Uh, the A plus skill of apology that your child knows how to say, I'm sorry. They know how to own their mistakes Mm -hmm. and build a bridge to repair that relationship that was maybe damaged by what they did versus, oh, well, it's not my fault. I'm certainly a victim because if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. You know, that's kind of like how our culture is. It's like, sorry, not sorry. Like you're the one that did it to me. So that doesn't work well in relationships when you cannot admit like, man, what I said was totally out of line and I'm really sorry. So to teach kids how to do that. And the last A plus skill is attention. You know, can your child sit through class and listen to the teacher? Can your class, mm-hmm. you know, child sit through a college lecture? Can they listen to you as you're giving instruction no. <laughs> Can they pay attention, you know, can they sit there quietly with a book or do they need to have some kind of digital Stimulation around them to just survive for five minutes in a chair, mm-hmm. you know, can they, can they take their wandering attention and make themselves focus on whatever it is they're supposed to focus on? So if your child has these five, a plus skills, guess what? They're going to do really well in life, um, both professionally and personally.
0: Nice. Let's talk about affection for a minute. I feel like, yeah. um, I know that screens definitely can threaten this. In what way do you yeah. see the screens threatening this social skill?
1: Yeah. So affection, so such a good question. So my this book, Screen Kids, is co-authored with Dr. Gary Chapman, who wrote a very famous books. book called The Five Love Languages, and it's how we give and receive love. So for instance, if you have a child who's always hugging you, who's always sitting next to you, who like, you know, is likes it when you when you put your hand on their shoulder, et cetera. So they feel love through physical affection, through touch. And so if you have these screens, Let's say you used to put the child on your lap and read a book at night, but you know this is child number three, and there is a lot to do. So child number three is now you know sitting with a tablet and they're reading, and this is not meant to shame you. So please don't feel like oh my word Mm -hmm. that feels you. But this is just the reality of it. So now they're with this screen and they're missing. That physical touch, you know, most kids when they're playing video games or watching TV, we're like, we're out of there. Like this is our time to get stuff done. We're not right. sitting next to them, like, oh, you, you did so good, good job, mm-hmm. you know. So they're missing out on that physical touch. Maybe they love words. They love to hear you say, oh, I saw what you drew and that was so creative, or I saw how you shared your bicycle with that other boy. That was really kind, you know. So they thrive off those words. Well, guess what? When there's screens, when we're looking at our phones, when they're looking at their devices, there's no words because one, we didn't notice whatever it is that you did to tell you about. And two, we're not talking like the TV's on in the background or Mm -hmm. loud music's on in the background and we're not talking. And so kids can, can miss out. And so their love tanks are not full. Because technology has kind of taken away that time that would have been spent talking or hugging or sitting on a lap, etc. And then obviously that, that love tank is filled as they get older. If it's through technology, then it becomes very dangerous because there's a lot at stake that they really care what are people saying about me on social media yeah. and it- Really wrapped up in that. And the affection is coming from that. I mean, that's how girls will be groomed by pedophiles because they're the ones giving that affection. So, a way to guard yourself and your children from these terrible things is you be that source of affection, that dad, that mom be the source of that affection in that child's life. So they know they're not coming into their teenage years with a deficit, but they're coming with their love tank full. And a lot of that has to do with us as parents putting down our devices. I'm not saying you have to spend like five hours every night with your child, looking them in the eye, right? That's, that's not the real world, <laughs> but, but you do spend 10 minutes uninterrupted finding out about their day, or you do spend 15 minutes like shooting hoops outside, or you do spend, you know, a mealtime, uh, hopefully, you know, five, at least five times a week, a mealtime where there's no interruptions and you're just there for each other. That's really, really important to yeah. show affection. Mm-hmm.
0: I know like every once in a while, our phones will creep to the dinner table. I'm looking at my husband. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. And he's like, you know, I'll say like, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, you were on your phone yesterday. I'm like, we need to make a rule. No, right. Like, I don't care who texts us during dinner? We don't answer exactly. it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's right. You
0: um, you mentioned, and when you were talking about appreciation in the book, um, something called gratitude curriculum, which sparked my attention um, because we homeschool and most of my audience homeschool. So you mentioned the word curriculum and I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But talk to me about the gratitude curriculum because I thought that that sounded really interesting and like a great idea.
1: Yeah, so- the, I, I think I'm thinking more about gratitude muscle, but I'm not sure if that's the same thing that you're talking about, but basically things that you can do around the house, think of gratitude as a muscle, that it's something that your child has to exercise. And like all of us and with curriculum, that doesn't happen automatically. Like sometimes we've got to do that with them. We have to mm-hmm. be the ones that help them with them. So things like writing out a thank you note, things like, Hey, you know, let's think about someone this week that did something special for us and why don't we write them a note? And that'd be something that, you know, all of your children do at all their different levels of the ability that they're able to do to write. Um, You know, a scavenger hunt throughout the house. Let's go through the, everyone gets a room of the house and let's go through and everybody write down What do you see in that room that you're really thankful for? And you come together and you do that Um, hot potato where you pass an object like a hot potato. And when you have it, you have to say something new that you're thankful for Uh, eating rice for a few days only and and realizing that a lot of the world, this is how they eat. So whatever mama serves you, you better say thank you because it's better than having rice every night. So just thinking through like, what are ways that we can show gratitude, not only at Thanksgiving, but all year round. And of course, insisting part of that curriculum is always please. And thank you all the way through. And mm-hmm. uh, when my daughter was young, she would uh, two years old, milk, milk, like a tyrant milk. <laughs> and, no, no, no milk, please milk, please like teach your kids. And even when they're teenagers and they need to be corrected, like teach them like, that's, that's not how to communicate. This is how to communicate.
0: Yes. Yes. That happens at our house all the time. I'm like, I'm sorry. What, what did you say? Were you yeah, asking exactly. me for something? I'm like, is that, what's
1: that, you asking me for something? <laughs> right. I didn't hear you. Yes.
0: Uh, yes. Um, one of the other social skills, the anger management they in the book, it talks about how there was this, oh my gosh, this YouTube video where I think they said it was like Jimmy Kimmel live. Yep. They had the right, parents, right. like turn off Fortnite while the kids weren't like, they weren't warned that they, they were going to turn right. it off. And then the right. kids like lost it. And I'm just thinking about this, like, oh my gosh, who would do that? Because I know that even when we give a warning, even when we're like, okay, five minutes, like, I don't know, my kids can get really angry when it's time to get off the games. Like, what are some ways that we can deal with that?
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, and this is part of it too. If you find that there is maybe a certain game that your kids get, seem to be more angry with, then it is not a crazy thing. It's kind of like would it would it be crazy to think that maybe they shouldn't play that game? You know, right. and I know, and I know many of us are like, well, yeah, that'd be crazy because then that's going to even make it worse. <laughs> but but to realize that that's not a, that's kind of our job as parents to real to say like that you don't act very well when you play mm-hmm. that whether it's that particular game, whether you know it's it's games in general. I mean, you can honestly, you know, I have a, a nurse friend Melanie Hempney, who's with Screen Strong, and she has a lot of. Of uh, things that she talks about that it, it is difficult for kids to do it in moderation, you know, for them yeah. to be able to have just a little, it, it makes them want to do it more. And so it yep. might be like a total reset of, you know what, let's do two weeks and not game. And let's just see if your attitude improves. And yeah. and. And for your kids, too, they're also discovering it's kind of like they're becoming more self-aware of like, oh, wow, I really am calmer when I don't play that game. And even if they don't admit it, they they will realize it, especially, you know, as they get older. So that is an option for you to say, okay, you're awfully mad when you do this. So I think this isn't good for you. So we're not going to do this anymore. And it's almost like if you say, yeah, you know, that's too hard. Like, I'm just going to let them play it because if I take it away, that's going to be like World War three and that's going to be too hard. Yeah. Then you, you are choosing that set of, it's like door number one, you know, it's hard now to mm-hmm. make them stop, but later it's going to be better or door two, like, I'm just going to let you play because I, I don't want to risk it. But then you do get everything that's attached to that door. Yeah. And, and, and so I think it is sometimes a really honest assessment of, wait a minute, they seem to not be able to handle this. You know, because that bad anger, it's like they're so mad at you for stopping, but there's no wrongdoing. It's like, you know, you really have to come to dinner, son. Like you really do have to do a little bit of homework now, son. You know, like you yeah, you really have you really have uh, baseball practice right now. So we you know, so it's not <laughs> like not like you're doing these terrible things to him. And so you can also have that child uh give him a three by five card and say, I am angry because, and have them fill that out. And maybe that just helps them understand like, okay, I'm angry because, and maybe that helps them see, especially for older kids, uh, you know, for younger kids, they're not going to see this. You're just going to have to do it. But for older kids, they could see that, okay, wait, I'm super angry because man, maybe I am addicted to this game, you know, and they can kind of start seeing that. Mm. I think with older kids, uh, giving them tool, like ha- watching things like the social dilemma, the documentary and giving them tools uh, to see that, wait a minute, maybe I'm being manipulated. A lot of kids don't want that. They don't want to be manipulated and it'll help them be, have the, you know, more self-control and get on the same page with their parents.
0: Yeah. Cause they're aware of what's actually happening. You know, those yeah. thousands of people behind the screen, like you talked about programming yeah. be addicting. Yep. I love that idea about the, the index card. I was also thinking, because this, ha- this has been going on. Like we've gone through, like, we won't play games for a month. And then yeah. we, and then we come back in, it's still the same thing. And I'll tell the kids when you're so angry, when you turn it off. And then the next time when we go to play, I'm like, now, listen, if you can't control your emotions, when we get off, then we can't play next time. And they're always right. in such denial. they like, yeah. we didn't get angry last time. So I'm thinking about like having them have like a, an emotional chart that we keep yeah. And yes. like keeping track of it. Like, or, do you feel angry when you get off? So they can see, like, actually I am angry most times or, you know, maybe, maybe something will change and they won't be, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think of two things. Um, David Thomas, he's a counselor. Um, I've had him on my podcast before, and on my podcast he has a link to a free chart that has all the different faces. It's really good. So that anyway, Happy Home Podcast, David Thomas. Oh, cool. But um, so that's in terms of the chart. And then oh, what was the other thing I was thinking? The chart. And then it was so angry. Oh, I can't remember. But anyways, the chart would be very helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'll have to grab that because I've been thinking that for a while, and I think that I need it.
1: <laughs> oh, I know what I was thinking. Even if like maybe not you, but. but like, like, like if somehow the kids didn't know you were videotaping them and then, you know, whether it's like you put out your phone and, or you do it, I don't know, but you know, if they could see themselves later, be like, oh yeah, there's no denying. I'm really angry right there.
0: Yes. I know that would, I think that would be because they probably don't realize it. I mean, think of it like when you lose your cool, if someone videotapes, right. right? And then you watched it, I'd be like, oh yeah, Yeah. right. You know, I feel like that would be super effective. Totally. Now, one of the other skills you talk about is attention. And I think, you know, lately, especially, I've been talking to so many moms, um, you know, that are dealing with their kids not being able to sit still when they're trying yeah. to teach them something. So how do screens affect the attention span?
1: Yeah. so think of Mr. Rogers, seriously. So I don't know if you, if your all of your listeners know who Mr. Rogers are, but I don't, think I of think Mr. So, right? think of Mr. Rogers, and, you know, it's one man, it's one camera he's talking very calmly there's no camera moves no new characters for a little bit like he's just talking and children of all ages were able to sit in rapt attention to mr rogers for years you know like <laughs> we did this and and now if you look compare that like watch like 30 seconds of mr rogers and then watch 30 seconds of any modern cartoon and you'll see what colors and changes and voices and explosions and moving, you know, it's very different. And so our attention, we need that now to pay attention. Like we need something to change. We need the scenery to change. You feel it like when you're watching a documentary and maybe you watch something from the seventies, 1970s, -hmm. and you're like, wow, this is really slow. And I'm really having a hard time paying attention. And so we have been trained and our kids have been trained use of color, use of change, use of sound, all those things, always changing so that it's constantly hooking us, hooking us, hooking us. And so a wonderful way to combat that is reading and, and with paper, because what happens it's a, it's just one, It, it doesn't change. It doesn't blow up. It doesn't change colors. It doesn't read for you. It's just a book. And the more your child can fall in love with reading, can control themselves and obviously find books that they find captivating that take them to other lands that they love, Mm -hmm. that act of reading will really help them to pay attention because all the screen stuff is teaching them like, oh, if you find this boring, just jump off. Right. Like if you're watching a show and this is boring to you, just jump off and get to another show. If you're uh, playing a game and you don't, and that's why the gaming people are always like figuring out, oh, they jumped out at that part. So, oh, that part must be boring. We got to juice that up. So they're always looking at like, how can we juice this up? So for you to realize, okay, if they're on that medium all the time, then when they go into the classroom, they're like, okay, it's been three minutes. My teacher is very boring and I'm out, you know? So, So we have to help them be able to, you know, withstand that. And I think reading is a really good solution. Quiet. Guess what? If you're, if it's just quiet, your kids' brains, they get to start filing, you know, the filing system starts going to affect and they file their memories and they start learning and they reflect on what's happened. So all that quiet, even the quiet that we used to have from walking from point A to point B and we used to like kind of process like, oh, that conversation, it didn't go really well. Let me think about that. You know, we used yeah. to think about things like that. Now, what do we do? We look at our phones, we listen to stuff. And so we're, all of us are missing like that processing. So I think just more quiet when your child says, I'm bored, mama, like, great, like wonderful. Find something yeah. else to do without a screen. That's great. And, and they will. So those words I'm bored, that's like magic. It's okay. Okay. You know, we used to always tell our kids, you know, don't come up to us and tell us you're bored because if you are, then we'll just give you chores around the house. So That's you'd much I'm rather, <laughs> right. You'd much rather do what you want to do than our chores. So just find something to do, please. So all those things, um, reading in particular would really help kids.
0: Nice. Good. I love reading. I'm, I'm a Ben. my older son really loves reading and you know what my, my seven-year-old, he's just starting to learn how to read yeah. and he's a self-proclaimed. He says, I don't like reading. And I'm mm-hmm. like, uh-oh, I, I'm like, I wouldn't put yourself in that box quite yet. I'm exactly. like, we read every night before bed and you love yeah. it. And I'm like, don't yeah. put yourself in that box. Yep. You know, yes. let's just keep, we'll keep reading.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's going to catch it. Like it might happen later, but he will get, he'll get it. Yeah. Nice.
0: You ask a really triggering question in the book. In the book, it says, is technology bringing your family closer together or is it driving you further apart? And I think for many families, it's not something that actually brings us closer together. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you mentioned time is too precious to waste watching YouTube. Yeah. And I totally agree. I I just think that God has so much more for our families. And this is just a tactic of the enemy to pull families further apart. Yeah. What steps can we take if technology is driving us apart?
1: Yeah. I think to realize that, acknowledge it, that, okay, we got this device because they told us we'd be able to stay in communication with each other, or they told Mm -hmm, us mm -hmm. we'd like watch TV together and bond over things, you know? So to realize that, wait a minute, if this is just creating, you know, it used to be that if it's just one big TV set, everyone had to decide like, what can we all watch together or right. sacrifice? Like sometimes mom wants to watch this. Okay. We'll watch it for mom. Sometimes sister wants to watch it for this. Okay. And then it was like teamwork, you know? Yeah. And so that we realize that we don't want these individual silos in our home where everyone's just in their own world with their personal entertainment and that's it. And it's just all these, Silos in the home that never connect together. So a lot of that is being intentional as a parent. If you see, wow, we all come home, and then someone's on this big screen TV, someone else has got their earbuds in, someone else is on a tablet, and somebody else is on their computer. You realize, wait a minute, this is this is not what we meant to do. Yeah. And and so then it's those you know. And the book will have more strategies and things, but it's things like okay, we're going to start that after eight o'clock that we're all going to power off our devices and, and that's it. You know, we're going to have to kind of look at each other and figure out other things to do, whatever it is, but just to think through is technology bringing my family closer together. Cause that's what it can do on purpose. Like you can be FaceTiming grandma. You can, you know, these things can happen, but naturally they will not happen. It won't happen that way. And so it's like, it's like the river is flowing one direction and you're trying to go the opposite direction with your tech. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard, you know, so uh, uh, Barna research, they did this, this study of just the influence of technology. So they looked at typical 15 to 23 year olds per year. And they said that the big block was, it's a little harder to visualize, but just pretend. So 2,800 hours over the course of one year of entertainment. So digital candy, right? Mm -hmm. 2,800 hours compared to- only 291 hours of spiritual input. So going to church or going to a Wednesday night group or listening to a sermon or something like that. So you think of it, if your child is an average 15 to 23 year old, they're going to spend 2,800 hours, 2,800 hours, like watching stuff. That's the entertainment that is primarily things that may really run counter to what, what you believe 28 hours, 800 compared to only 291 hours of spiritual instruction. So we, we have to realize that this is a delivery system. A lot of times families, their kids are growing up and they realize like, how did you get these values? Like, these are not the things that we value. How did this happen to you while you're living in our home? And you think of it, if they're being discipled for that many hours by what they're watching on YouTube, et cetera, and it always starts very innocently, right? right? It's not like they start watching all these weird things. It's like, okay, but you just get used to it. And then it's a big, big world in there and they're just rubbing shoulders and it's constantly being pushed on them what the culture wants them to buy into mm-hmm. you know and and you can follow the money of it for advertising all those things oh yeah but, but just to realize that wait a minute maybe uh, we need to delay some devices maybe we need to do a two-week reset like my friend Molly DeFrank has a book about how to do a digital two-week reset and you know and you just keep doing it over and over like you're saying like, like, okay, we got to pull back and then let's bring it back. Oh, we're going over the edge again, pull back. It's kind of this constant, a constant thing that you're assessing and doing something about. And that's the key as a parent feel like, yeah, I I can do something about this. I am not helpless. I am courageous and I'm able to do this. That's
0: awesome. I love that. Like you say, I'm courageous recently. What I've really, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been helping me through homeschool and like, but wh- just the idea like the Holy Spirit will help me make good decisions, yeah. you know, like we can be courageous. Like we have, we have God on our side and he wants our families to be together. Right. And he wants us to be discipled by people that are strong in faith, you know, and with his right. word, not with TV, but like, he'll help us do it. Yeah. You know, he'll give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to make those hard decisions and the hard choices.
1: Totally true.
0: Um, let's see, you talk about developing a technology plan for your family and I love, I love a plan. I think plans are good and they help us to, you know, make change and to make movements. So what is a technology plan?
1: It's like, think of it like when they drive a car, right? When your child is going to drive a car, you don't just say like, Oh, here's keys. Here's the automobile let me show you how. Okay, great. Good luck. It's not how it works. You know, there's all, there's training, there's a provisional period, there's a learner's permit first. You always have to have the parent with you. And that, you know, so it's huge phases. And then when you have your license, you've got to be home by 11 o'clock at night, you know, all these different things. So it really, it, it, It's a good template for when you think of technology, whether you're giving a tablet, whether you're allowing a video game, whether you're giving a smartphone is to think of your, to yourself. I'm not just going to give it and be like, okay, buddy, here it is. Yay. Be good. kind of talk through it and like, okay, we're going to start with a dumb phone before we start with a smartphone. We're going to start with something like the gab wireless phone, um, which I like, which just texts and calls and has GPS and has music, but that's it. Like you can't go online, etc. And so th- this kind of having a plan first as a parent, To have the plan of this is how we're going to introduce this technology. This is what we're going to do if the technology goes south, like kind of talk through that before it happens. That will be really helpful. And then when your child gets the device, you know, whether it's a a, something that they sign, an agreement that, you know, my parent, you know, and obviously you're going to cater this to your own home, but like, hey, we're going to try this maybe for a month, provisional period to see how this works. If this doesn't work, then it will be taken away, et cetera. Um, And I love also, I I've referenced Melanie Humpy before the nurse. And she also says, remember you do contracts with business partners, you know, like with adults, full adults who understand kids don't understand contracts, you know, they'll break the contract. So, so for us as parents to realize that, that we have to be more active, right? It's not just, oh, they signed the contract. Everything's okay. Right. What do you mean you signed it? Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing this? So keep that in mind when you are signing contracts, but, but having those talks of, this is what we're expecting. This is how we're going to support you. And this is what will happen if we see that it's not positive in your life, you know, all those Mm -hmm. things. And I'm a firm believer that like an elementary school child or a middle school child is not able to, to handle like the, the thing of a smartphone, because it's just so much weight on the bar for them to have to manage.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's access to so much on there.
1: There's access to so much and to real, and to think that they're going to be able to just stay away from that is, is, you know, it's unreasonable to the, tr- to put that burden on our child.
0: Hmm. I love the idea of a contract because I feel like I almost need it. Like these, this is, these are the rules, these are the boundaries. I'm going to refer back to it. So I remember what they are so I can stick with it, you know,
1: and that's a, and that's a super clever thing to do is to be like, this is mom's contract. This is your contract and keep each other accountable. It's actually pretty funny because then your teenager could be like, yeah, mom, you're the one who is on Instagram while I'm trying to talk to you, you know, and it gives you guys then license to talk into each other's life. I actually really like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Very cool. All right. As we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience or you feel like you wanted to touch upon?
1: I want to just touch on that. What you had said about the Holy spirit being with you for you just to realize sometimes you can feel like, Oh my goodness, it's like a losing battle. Like we're everybody else is doing these things. How are we going to do this? And I always love to say, you know, I would still rather parent now versus like be Daniel's father, mother, you know, and, and have him thrown in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and they're throwing right. in the fire. Like I you was know, just hard, reading that today. Hard, yeah. Hard times have been, have been wrought by young people. You know, they were teenagers when, when they were thrown into the lion's den or not the lion's mm-hmm. den into the fiery furnace. And so just to realize that this is not new, like being different is not new. And so if you choose differently, if you choose like, I don't want my child to play that game, I don't want my child to use that, you might feel like, oh, I'm the mean mom and everybody's like, why are you the mean mom? You're the only one. And for you to realize you are not the only one, you are talking to us and we are with you and you're you're not the only one. And so find people, like-minded people around you who will support you in this. And really realize, yes, the stakes are super high. This is your children, their their hearts, their minds, their souls is high. So so you almost can't be over serious about it. I think people are not serious enough. So yeah. you can't, it's okay to be like, no, no, that screen is not going to take away my child. I'm going to, I'm the one paying for that screen. So, I mean, how ironic is that? So for you to feel like I have courage, we can do this differently, but remember, have a lot of fun in your home. That's how you get away with this kind of stuff. Is yes there's a lot of love, fun activities. There's a lot of life in the home. And so then the kids can see, Oh, that, that tech life is, is like artificial, like it's not as good. So give them, you know, so create that happy, fun home that, that really can rival that screen time and and beat it for sure.
0: That's so good. Thank you. I love that about the community, right? It's so important that we that we surround ourselves with people, with like-minded people so they can encourage us, you know? So start like a mom's group of moms against, don't don't, don't have to go moms against screens. You can be that, it can be like your- Moms for life, like moms (laughs) for
1: childhood. Like we don't want the childhood, Rob. Moms for childhood, totally. Yes, I love it. Well,
0: I just want to thank you for taking your time to come on and talk about this. Because this is such an important issue. And I know it's something that so many moms struggle with. And I want to say, especially homeschool moms, because we're home a lot. So if yeah. you have those kids that are kind of like in the yellow zone, they're always going to be asking because it's, you know, it's available yes. in the home. So it's something that I know that we struggle with too. Yeah. Um, Arlene, where can we find you?
1: You can find me at ArlenePellicane.com, ArlenePellicane.com. And then that'll hop over to HappyHomeUniversity.com, which has uh, masterclasses like Screen Kids. You can go deeper in a video course with this. You could watch it in a group of people. That's a Screen Kids Masterclass. And there's also a movie Screen Kids in Their Own Words. It's a documentary you can watch of my kids talking about what it's like growing up without social media, video games, phones, et cetera.
0: Oh, cool. I love that. That's awesome. All right. I just want to close in prayer. Lord, we, we thank you for Arlene and for the mission you put on her heart to make moms and dads and just everyone, grandparents, you even have a book for grandparents, aware of the influence that screens have over our kids, Lord. And we know that you have more for our families, that you, that you want us to disciple our kids in your ways. That you want us to teach them your ways, Lord. And we know that you will strengthen us to do that, Lord, that you are always with us. We thank you for, for this message. And we ask that you, that you walk with each mom who feels convicted from the show to make a change, um, to just give her the courage and to know that she can reach out to us for help. So Lord, we just, we thank you in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks All right so Brandy. Thank you. Thank you so much. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely feeling a little convicted that it's time to make some changes around our house when it comes to screen time. And if you are also feeling the same way, but you would like some strategy, you don't wanna jump into this thing blind because you know that you're gonna get some pushback, grab a coaching call with me and we'll figure out a strategic routine to help you make the changes that are going to help you and your family thrive. I'll put a link below to schedule the coaching call. And I do have a couple slots left for November. So, so grab them while they're still there. All right, God bless. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you or inspired you in any way, could you please take a minute to write a review on Apple Podcast? Writing a review is the number one way that you can help me to reach more moms just like you. And reading your reviews truly inspires me and encourages me to keep doing this work. Also, don't forget to connect with other like-minded mamas in our Facebook community so that we can encourage and uplift each other on this journey. The link to the Facebook group is in the show notes. Thank you for listening and may your heart overflow with God's peace and love. God bless.